I didn't mean to rub your nose in it, but I just sent you a correction to your weekly update on uh, uh, Mark Andreessen. Is that how you pronounce it, by the way? <laughs> Andreessen? Andre- I always thought it was a long E, Andreessen. Andreessen. Uh, he had an essay that we're going to talk about here that it's time to build, and <laughs> and you you gave him credit, deservedly so, that he's best known in tech circles, or at least nerd circles, as the creator of Mosaic, the first, as you described it, the first popular first web browser with a graphical user interface and and my correction to you was very pedantic which was that actually the first web browser period tim berner lee's browser created at cern on next was because he created it on a next system a graphical user interface app what separated mosaic from the web browsers before it was that it actually supported graphics in the content of web pages, you could put a, a GIF. I don't think even think it had JPEGs. I think it might have been GIF only, and not uh, not the animated GIFs. Like no. still, <laughs> GIF started out as still GIFs, which, which, which is funny. I, no, I swear to God, I'm sure we have listeners that when they hear the word GIF, they assume animated. But no, right. GIFs were originally just uh, still files like a JPEG. Right, uh, limited to 256 colors with excellent compression for the time. Uh, they might have supported animated GIF. I, I don't know. Or at I least think, like, animated GIF was it, a, it might have, but yeah. yeah it it would have been way too large to, to serve anyway. No one would have wanted right. to do that. Uh, and that's what... No, it's a good correction. I, 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 I've adopted the philosophy from you uh, that the best way to be right all the time is to uh, quickly make corrections. So... I appreciated it. And it, it is a good distinction. Right. And it's, did the, did, I've never used the Next. Did the Next have any sort of command line input at all? Or, yeah. or was it always from bottom up? Uh, no, no. Because I, I think it was very much like Mac OS X, where because it was Unix under the hood, there was always a terminal app. I believe. I actually did, can't 100% verify this. But I, I'd be shocked otherwise if it wasn't that it, it like Mac OS X, there was a terminal app that gave you access exactly the way that the terminal app does on Mac OS X. I was thinking of Lynx as being sort of the the browser that came before, which which was much more of a, 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 a command line interface. Yeah, and it still exists. And I actually heard from somebody recently, and my hat is off to you if you can still manage to browse the web with it. And I remember using it because I remember... If we're going to do a memory lane <laughs> segment of the show here, I, I remember in the early years of the 90s, mid-90s, my internet access from home when I was off campus at Drexel was through um, a terminal interface. I'd connect via modem. There was a great Mac app called Zterm. Hats off to whoever created Zterm. And I'd log in completely over Telnet, not SSH, just... <laughs> Telnet yep. over port 22. Yep. But when yep. you were connected by a modem that was actually pretty secure because there was no way to be a man in the middle, really. And don't don't tell me the ways that there might have been between the modem and the server <laughs> at Drexel. But, you know, like the, the problem was like one of my roommates picking up the phone and <laughs> screwing right. up the modem connection, not a hacker in yep. between. Um, I don't think no. I don't think people appreciate it. Oh, maybe that's a sound effect we should use for this show. Is the, the modem the modem connect sound has always been a, always been a favorite of mine. But like it was literally making sounds over a telephone wire. Like that's how that's yeah. how it actually worked. Oh, <laughs> uh, isn't there a podcast that uses that? I forget. Probably, probably. Yeah. It's such a it's such a classic sound. It really is. But yeah, so well, and, for, it's for, funny because the 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 what it's like there's a generational thing with Andreessen because I kind of mentioned this too. Like I would the other thing I bet about of young people, one they might not even remember Mosaic at all. They yeah, may or may not 
remember Netscape, that's, uh, which was that's a little more one. right. Well, it, and Netscape was a big deal not just because of the the product, which is Netscape Navigator, which is obviously built you know uh, on top of Mosaic for all intents and purposes, but also it was the IPO of Netscape is what really kicked off the dot com era and inspired this just massive flood of money into the valley and into all these internet startups, which of course all sort of blew up, but in the long run, laid the foundation for basically the next 20 years, right? One of my favorite examples of this is there, there were two parts of the internet bubble. One was all the dot-com companies, but yeah. the other one was all the telecom companies because all these telecom companies started raising tons and tons of money to weigh fiber all over the place. Mm. And then they all went bankrupt and all went out of business. But guess what? The fiber was there. And yeah. so one of the under-appreciated, under misunderstood things about Google's rise is one of the reasons that Google is so fast and is so uh, powerful is it actually went around buying up tons and tons of this dark fiber in in the early 2000s and connecting all their data centers together. And it gives them, even today, a sort of sustainable advantage in their physical infrastructure, in part because they're buying up bankrupt bankrupt fiber. But not just Google. I mean, lots of folks did. Like the, That's the the core of our internet was laid by the in the dot-com era. That's a good point. Uh, I remember the the Netscape IPO. I actually was working. It was my third of three uh, internships at, as a student at Drexel. We were, we called them co-ops at Drexel, where we had a six month at school, six month of co-op cycle, and therefore even what what's normally a four year degree is a five year degree at Drexel because your middle three years you you do six months on, six months off. Uh, anyway, my third and final one was at a. I'd already determined, even though I was going to graduate with a computer science degree, that I didn't want to be a programmer professionally. So I took my third one. My second one, I did software development, and and I hated it so much that I thought, you know what, the hell with this. I'm going to take something easier. And I got a job in the IT department at a company on the Philadelphia Stock Exchange. Um, and it was a fascinating company called Susquehanna Investment Group that didn't really have any customers or clients. They just <laughs> invested their own money and were making incredible money and we're doing so well that it much like a modern day like start or to come startup this is mid 90s they had catered lunch every day and with different caterers every day of the week <laughs> and it was kind of glorious especially as a college student but anyway i was working there the summer of the netscape ipo i believe unless i'm totally misremembering this but and i was just doing it but we didn't have a very large IT department. And one of the traders asked me, knew, knew that I was a nerd, and was like, what do you think of this Netscape thing? It's going to be a big IPO. And I was like, well, I don't know if it's a good long-term investment, but is the IPO going to do well? I was like, hell yeah. I was like, get in on it. He was like, all right. And then he did. And then like later on, he like was like, hey, kid. <laughs> and he just like shot me like a finger gun. I didn't make any money out of it. I made nothing. <laughs> But hey, but but you you earned his eternal gratitude. Yeah, uh, but yeah, but it's funny because we, I mean, we when I hear Andreessen, that's still what I think of. I always think of Netscape first. But I would imagine most young people think of the the venture firm Andreessen yeah. Horowitz, and maybe they think of his you know his essay "Software Is Eating the World," which has sort of been like Valley marching orders for for a long time. And I think that's actually what makes the it's time to build essay. So compelling because in some respects, it feels a little bit like a repudiation of software is eating the world where there's this idea that Silicon Valley is just going to take over everything by writing software that that's going to intermediate all these sorts of things. And now this is much more of a actually we need to build some factories. We need to be, we like we need to develop our capabilities. And of course, all that needs to be software enabled, right? It needs to be 
founded on software, but it does feel like a, a meaningful sort of shift in some respects, maybe a shift back to, to what we think us old people think about Andreessen, you know, in his, the, the full spectrum of his life as it were. Yeah. And we, we, you and I have shared some laughs in recent days over reactions to his essay. I haven't linked to it from Daring Fireball yet, but I plan to, but some, some of the reactions without any sort of snark or sarcasm were basically along the lines of, well, you know, I, I guess people who think he's just a VC who was born with money or something or, or came from the banking industry or something like, who are you to tell us to build anything? What have you ever built? <laughs> it's, incre- no, it, it's incredible. It, like, it's, it's really kind of amazing. And it's funny because I've always uh, had a certain affinity for Andreessen just because we have similar backgrounds. We're both from small town, Wisconsin. And one of the things where he's said why he's su- such a internet optimist in general is because for him, the internet was a way like out of a place that he didn't feel like he fit in at well. And it's like, my God, can I relate to that? Right. That's exactly the way I feel. And, 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 you know, so I, particularly when people come like, yeah, let's listen to a VC tell us how, how to make stuff. <laughs> it's like, dude, the guy like not just made the browser, but like made the entire infrastructure on which I myself have constructed my life. So it's kind of funny to hear you say this. Yeah. It was kind of comical. Uh, yeah. And I guess, I don't know if it's so much a repudiation of, of his previous essay, but it's sort of, uh, it's sort of embiggening the scope. I think, I, I think that, maybe the software is eating the world analogy. It was a great title and it was apt for what he meant, but I don't think he ever meant that it would eat everything. You know what I mean? It, it that the scope of, of how big that idea was had limits. And at this point, without any intended hyperbole, this crisis, worldwide pandemic-induced crisis, is literally the scope of human civilization. And I'm not trying to say that all of civilization is on the cusp of collapse. I'm just saying, though, that there's no aspect of it that isn't reached by this, whereas the software is eating the world argument had certain limits. I agree it's not a repudiation. That was the wrong word. I, I, right. But it is, it is a shift because – there is a reality I think is dawning broadly, and that's why I think this essay is important. I think it is a, a, a meaningful moment. You know, I wrote about this like a month ago in Compact and Coronavirus, where the point I was trying to make is we've become really good at talking about stuff, and we're not very good at like doing stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And sort of contrasting it to to Taiwan. But I think that is an analogy that applies, or this idea applies broadly. Like we're not. Like I like the build context better. We're not good at making stuff. We're good about talking about stuff or criticizing stuff or critiquing stuff. But the actual making, I mean, you look at Apple, like designed in California, manufactured in China, right? Like mm-hmm. it turns out that's a meaningful distinction and one we've kind of wanted to smooth over and ignore. And I, I don't know, I guess I've been waking up to this a lot because, you know, starting last fall and, and we were, I think this is one of the things we talked about as far as why we wanted to start this podcast where a real sort of waking up on my part as to China, like relatively speaking. And the fact that this is a problematic long-term path for tech specifically and for the U S broadly to have this point of dependence. And this happened before all of this sort of, you know, the, the current crisis occurred. And this is only, I think accelerated that, that idea. And, a big part of that is we got to learn to like take care of ourselves. And, and we've lost that ability. 
And just in terms of, I can't stop thinking in light of it's time to build. I can't stop thinking about the Eisenhower highway system in the U.S. Number one, I don't think many people of who grew up in the post-highway system America really can fathom how hard it was to drive from one city to another before that. You really, yeah. you, you, you had to, it was all back roads. Like what we now call back roads were just called roads. And it was really kind of hard and you need a very tricky map to get from to drive from Chicago to, say, Green Bay, right, Uh, to see the Bears play the Packers or something like that. Whereas now you have highways and software is not going to do that, you know, and but the, the thing that 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 makes me think about that in the context of this today is that I don't think the Eisenhower highway system gets built in the 50s if the U.S. hadn't gone through World War II in the 40s. I think that's exactly right. And we we built up a capacity and like a will and a determination that we were able to sort of apply generally. And, and I think that that is a, a hopeful, real silver lining that will come out of this. It's funny you mentioned, though, the interstate, because a line I didn't use in in I wrote about Andreessen's article yesterday and a, and a line that I didn't use, but I was thinking about was this idea that the car unlocked the suburb and sort of mm-hmm. changed the way that people lived and and organized themselves. And it's interesting to think about if the internet is going to end up being having a similar effect. This idea that lots of people are working from home and they're doing so effectively because of the internet. And obviously, anyone that can do that is very fortunate that you know they don't have to go into their job. And and it's not saying that that that's a long term solution for everyone. But it is interesting to think about. Tech has been locked into Silicon Valley, locked into San Francisco. That's been part of the Andreessen software in the the world sort of worldview. But to what extent is it time? Is it necessary for tech to push out Mm -hmm. and to not just itself, but to unlock lots of things locally by being distributed? And to your point, to build the new interstate, but but for all kinds of things, not just not just cars, not just people. Yeah. It's and to think big and to not think small and to think connected, don't think separate. You know, it's it was a it's a big idea. And I'm not saying it was perfect. I don't even want to get into the whole thing that it that the U.S. car culture comes at the expense of public transportation and 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 stuff like that, it it, which has all shifted over decades and required, you know, multiple episodes of the podcast. The basic idea, though, is that fundamentally for several decades at least, the highway system was a huge win for the U.S. and for the way we organized ourselves. And it was kind of unfathomable before that. It it just, I don't think people would have just thought, I don't even know that the idea was there. I feel like we could talk about this one for a long time. That could be the alternate name for the show. We could talk about this one for a long time. Uh, All right, good show. All right, go join join this party. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I'm glad you mentioned it. (laughs) 